The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May. We are in the 11th week of our verse-by-verse study through the book of Galatians. I'm actually re-preaching in my office a message that I preached just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we had some, some difficulties and just want to make sure that our entire series uh, for the book of Galatians is online uh, so that you can have that as a resource. But our text today is Galatians chapter 4 verses 12 through 20 and we'll be looking at the contrast between what I'm calling gospel ministry or you could say gospel shaped ministry and worldly ministry. And here's the point, not every ministry that you see or hear about is of the Lord. Just because you hear someone mention Jesus or talk about the Bible or talk about God or talk about Christian values does not necessarily mean that that ministry is gospel-centered, true, God-ordained ministry. And if you do not realize this, you can easily be led astray. And this is what we see happening to the Galatians to whom Paul is writing. Now remember, Paul has shared the gospel, and he has planted churches in the Roman province of Galatia. And he taught these Gentiles that right standing with God does not come by what we can do, but what Christ has already done. And soon after leaving Galatia, Paul has now received word that false teachers have kind of infiltrated the church, and they are misleading the Galatians by teaching them a very works-focused, performance-based gospel, which, as we know, is actually no gospel at all. They're teaching this, that in order to really have right standing with God, not only do these Gentiles have to have faith in Christ, but they also have to practice the Old Testament Mosaic Law, which, as we know, has already been fulfilled in Jesus. And Paul is angry that these Galatians are moving from the gospel of grace to more of a law-based, performance-based, legalistic religion. And so he is writing very candidly, very honestly, to correct these converts' erroneous doctrine and behavior. And I believe this passage is so relevant to us today. Think about this. In this day and age, we have access to 24-7 ministry teachings. I mean, we have Christian radio, podcasts, Christian television, dedicated Roku channels, internet live streams, YouTube, and the list could go on and on and on. And not everything that you see and hear in, in those ministries is really of God. It's not what we would call Bible truth. And I often joke with some seriousness that if I had to choose between watching MTV and the lion's share of what is on Christian television or radio, I would pick MTV almost any day because at least with MTV you know what you're getting. But to be sure, there are some good TV preachers, radio preachers, internet sites, so on and so forth. But in light of the plethora of preaching and teaching that's available to us, It's important that we really, just like the Galatians, understand how to recognize gospel ministry versus worldly, what I would call misleading ministry. So let's turn to Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 12. And the Bible says this, Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, 
for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that, if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you make much of them. It's always good to be made much of for good purpose. And not only when I'm present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Well, through our text, I want to give you five principles for recognizing real Christian gospel-centered ministry. So the first principle for recognizing real gospel-centered ministry is this. Uh, gospel ministry is culturally flexible. Worldly ministry is culturally condemning. Let me say it one more time. Gospel ministry is culturally flexible. Worldly ministry is culturally condemning. Let me read verse 12 again. Paul writes, Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am. Watch what he says. For I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. Now think about this. Paul is Jewish, yet he's reminding these Gentile believers that while he was with them, he did not act like a Jew by living uh, by his Jewish traditions. Instead, when he was with them, he lived as a Gentile Christian. He set aside his Jewish heritage and customs, and culturally, he tried to meet the Galatians where they were. Now, this is interesting because, because other times we see that Paul acts more according to his Jewish heritage in order to relate to Jews. For example, in Acts 16.3, we find that Paul has Timothy circumcised. Uh, Timothy's mother was Jewish. His father was Greek. And so why would Paul do this? Well, it's simple. It's because Timothy is now accompanying Paul uh, in his ministry to other Jews. And if Timothy isn't circumcised, they would never listen to the message that Paul and Timothy were bringing to them. These Jews would not lend their ears to Paul and Timothy. Now this may seem hypocritical because Paul seems adamantly against circumcision as he writes to the Galatians. But it is not, uh, it's not hypocritical at all. Paul consistently knows that circumcision is not necessary for right standing with God. But if you want to be circumcised for hygienic reasons or cultural reasons, fine. You know, Paul knows you don't have to eat kosher. But if you choose to obtain from certain foods for health or just preferential reasons, fine. Inasmuch as you know um, that those customs will not gain you right standing with God. You cannot turn these cultural customs into a ladder in which you try to gain uh, a certain status with God. Go with me, if you would, in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. Paul writes this to the church of Corinth. He says, For though I am free from all, listen to what he says, I've made myself a servant to all, 
that I might win more of them. And then he goes on to explain to the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not my not being un, myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside of the law, not being outside of the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside of the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things, Paul says, to all people. Let me read that again. Uh, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. Let me give you an example. Uh, there was a very traditional church that I used to occasionally visit on Sunday evenings when I lived in Colorado. I knew the uh, of the pastor. Uh, he was very good friends with someone in my family. But but he was a, a good guy. I thought a lot of him. But he tended to be a little what I would call legalistic. And, and he really only believed that you should sing traditional music in the church. And, uh, you know, they, they sang mainly uh, hymns. And he really judged other churches like mine that sang newer music, especially when it, we would use like a full band with guitars and, and keyboards. And so he, he was very inflexible when it comes to uh, stylistic issues within the church. Now, before we are quick to cast the stone at this pastor, let's think about us as more charismatic people. How often do we judge churches like his for having only reserved traditional music? You know, thinking that they're not as spiritual because they're not as um, outgoing and demonstrative and boisterous in worship. You know, as long as we're worshiping in spirit and in truth, I think that there's room for different music styles. Gospel-centered ministry will be culturally flexible. Let me give you just one more example. Uh, a visiting pastor at my church in Colorado comes one Sunday morning. He hears me preach, and then he asks me after the service to speak at his church, which is in a very small rural town in Wyoming. And he tells me this. He says that the people at his church are really just down-to-earth, small-town farmers and ranchers, and that their church services are really laid back. And he, and he says something to me. He says, Pastor, it's not necessary for you to dress up and, uh, you know, this just really laid back environment at my church. And so now at this time in ministry, you've got to understand, we would always preach in a suit and tie. I don't always do that now. I often wear jeans and a button down. But that was the custom of our people at that particular church. That's what they were used to. And so I go to preach at this church, and instead of heeding the advice of their pastor, here's what I do. I wear a suit and tie, and I'm dressed to the max. I get there, and no one else is dressed up. And that's a vast understatement. I'm talking blue jeans, t-shirts, boots, cowboy hats, and now this preppy city boy in a three-piece suit walks in. And listen, I stand out like a sore thumb. And my ministry was absolutely of no effect because I did not become as they were. So hear me very clearly. The message never changes, but the methods do. Because gospel-centered ministry is culturally flexible within a biblical framework. So when a church starts to dictate what you wear, what you eat, what you drink, and other non-essential elements of your life, you might want to consider walking the other way because this is the breeding ground for legalism. 
So remember, the first way that you recognize gospel-centered ministry over worldly ministry is that gospel ministry is always culturally flexible, but worldly ministry is culturally condemning. The second principle is this. Gospel ministry is credible. Worldly ministry is cunning. Here's what I mean by that. Real, true ministry is transparent. It's honest. Worldly ministry is very insincere. It's, it's like somebody's trying to sell you something and they're just telling you what you want to hear. Christian leaders who act like they don't struggle or have doubts or frustrations are being disingenuous and that is not what gospel ministry is about. Now look with me again at verses 13 and 14. Paul says, you know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. Now think about that statement. I mean, Paul is being so vulnerable. Here he is, this great apostle, and he's reminding them of a bodily ailment, a, a struggle or some kind of sickness or some kind of issue with his body. We don't know exactly what this is. And he goes on in verse 14, and he says, And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. Now, Paul preached in Galatia, get this, Here's what this tells us. Not according to his own will, but likely because he was delayed or detoured due to a physical ailment. And Paul doesn't try and hide his sicknesses, his shortcomings, his frustrations. You, you read this often in his letters. He's honest and he is transparent. And when church leaders act like they don't struggle, they don't fight temptation, that they're never sick, they will not be much of much benefit to you. They'll make you feel like less of a Christian because your life is so difficult. You know, I, I believe in transparency from the pulpit. And I, I do believe we can take this too far. I don't think we need to share every woe, every frustration. But it is important that you know that we pastors fight temptation just like you. We get ill just like you. We have moments of worry and doubt just like you. We aren't perfect just like you. So let me digress here for just a moment because we see again that God uses suffering in the life of Christians. The Word of Faith movement says that you never have to be sick or suffer from an ailment as long as you have faith. But Paul, I would argue, is a man of faith, and yet he suffers with some kind of physical ailment. And God actually uses this ailment, imagine this, to detain Paul and thus reach the Galatians with the gospel. I love what Tim Keller points out in his commentary on the book of Galatians. He says this, God does not promise to bless Christians by removing suffering, but to bless Christians through suffering. Jesus suffered Tim writes, not so that we might not suffer, but so that in our suffering we would become like him. God uses our suffering to bring about good. Sometimes this involves circumstances. Paul's illness brought him many new friends and a successful ministry in Galatia. But other times, the good God works is our in our character. And so I, I digress, but here's what's important to understand. We all suffer, and Christian leaders who act like they have it all together all the time are disingenuous. Nobody has it together all the time on this earth. Gospel ministry is real. It is credible. It is honest. 
Worldly ministry, on the other hand, is quite deceptive, and it paints this false reality that really is is given to make the pastor, the preacher, the teacher, the ministry leader, Sunday school teacher, whoever it might be, it's a, a false picture to make them look better than they actually are. The third principle for recognizing gospel-centered ministry over worldly ministry is this. Gospel ministry is Christ-centered. Worldly ministry is creature-centered, or you could say man-centered. Verses 13 and 15 make this very clear. He says this, You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached what? He says, I preached the gospel to you at first. And then in verse 15 he says, What then has become of your blessedness? What was it that Paul preached to the Galatians? He preached the gospel. The Galatians are are blessed because of that message. The gospel, see, is centered around the substitutionary work of Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his redemptive work on the cross. And this is the essence of Paul's message. His message that he brings everybody is centered around the work of Jesus and the person of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 1, Paul says to this church, he says, And when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now Paul, as we know through his letters, taught many things about God. He wanted the Corinthians to know how how much God loved them. He wanted uh, he, he wants them to understand God's love, the law, grace. He wants them to understand the relevance of the Old Testament. The, he wants them to understand the new covenant and how to live godly lives, so on and so forth. Why then would he say that he was determined to know nothing except the Christ and him crucified? Well, he's using here what we call hyperbole, and it is an exaggerated expression to make a point. I believe what Paul is saying is that in all his teaching and preaching and writing and missionary endeavors, the message of Christ and him crucified is at the center of all of those things. Because here's the deal. Without Christ, preaching is no more than motivational speaking. Our preaching should be Christ-centered always. And one way to recognize worldly ministry is when you hear little about Jesus and his work on the cross See, gospel-centered ministry is absolutely taken by Jesus' work at the cross. And that message never gets old to a gospel-centric congregation. So there are some really good speakers who can preach you happy. But if the gospel is not at the center of that message, they're missing it. Worldly ministry focuses on us, what we can do. Gospel ministry focuses on Christ and what he has already done. In worldly ministry, we leave feeling like the hero. When we listen to a podcast or a sermon, we we, we just feel like we can do anything. But in gospel ministry, we leave knowing that Christ is the hero, that he's already done everything. Albert Moeller in his book, He Is Not Silent, points out that the apostles always presented the heart of the gospel in their preaching. He says that the clear presentation of the gospel must be a part of the sermon, no matter the text. And then he quotes Spurgeon, 
who charges preachers to preach the word, to place it in its context, and then make a beeline to the cross. So for gospel-centered ministry, here's what I want you to understand. Christ is central in preaching and teaching. In worldly ministry, you'll hear little about Christ and his substitutionary work. The fourth principle is this. Gospel ministry is candid. Worldly ministry is comfortable. Verse 16, Paul writes, Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They, he's talking here about the false teachers, they make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. Now, Paul, by preaching the truth, is being treated as an enemy by the Galatians. And I've learned that this is often the cost of truthful, honest preaching. It's why most preachers likely stay away from it. Worldly preaching is just to preach the comfortable message. It is the teacher that will tell you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. Now, I don't believe, don't misunderstand me, I don't believe in nonstop fire and brimstone preaching, but, but I do believe that when the truth is preached on any level, it will challenge your tradition, it will stretch you beyond your own comfort level, and people just don't like that often. And, and I've found in my years of ministry that to have an easy ministry is, is just to preach what People have always believed, even if it doesn't line up with Scripture. Because to most people who grew up in church, listen to me, tradition trumps truth. And when you challenge tradition or heritage, you're the bad guy. Now, I don't go looking for controversy. But no matter what tradition says, listen, if the Bible says something different, we're going at this church with the Bible. You preach fluff, the rainbow and cupcake sermon, uh, people will flock to your church. You preach truth, often they'll all but kill you. But you know, I am willing as, as a gospel-centered preacher to take punches, to be the bad guy, to, to have you upset with me, to lead you in truth because I really love you that much. And this leads me to the final principle, number five, gospel ministry is caring Worldly ministry is conceited. Look at verses 18 through 20 again. Paul writes, It's always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for who I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Now listen, these false teachers were pretending to really be interested in the converts there at Galatia. But they had ulterior motives. They were tickling their ears with compliments and things that they wanted to hear. But like a politician who just says certain things to get your vote, the, the false teachers were playing these believers. Now Paul, on the other hand, who, you know what? He has genuine care and concern for these believers in Galatia. Gospel-centered ministry, listen to me, is genuinely loving. Gospel-centered pastors and teachers aren't just out to get your money or to get your ratings or to get you to buy their book. They really care about you and they will tell you the truth because of it, even if it hurts them in telling you, even if it's risky, even if they have to uh, put themselves out there and risk you know, you getting upset or leaving the church. They care about you so much that they uh, will tell you what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear. Now in closing, let me say this. 
I'm not here to tear down other pastors and ministries. There are some really good ones out there that are extremely helpful. But amongst the good, there are a lot of misleading pastors who are preaching a different gospel, which is no gospel at all. They're tickling your ears. They'll preach you happy, but it's not gospel-centered ministry. And it will, hear me, it'll lead you astray. And I just caution you, be careful who you listen to. Make sure that any ministry you follow is gospel-centered. Some of the most misleading uh, pastors sound the closest to what you believe, but they are deceiving multitudes of people. May God grant us great discernment. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, I come to you in the precious, all-powerful name of Jesus. And I thank you for the leading of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for uh, discernment that you give us. And Lord, we know that we are um, able to listen to preaching around the clock in this day and age. We thank you for the blessing of the internet and podcasts and uh, Christian TV and Christian radio. But in the midst of the good teaching, the the helpful teaching, the gospel-centered teaching, we know from experience that there are uh, there, there is a lot of uh, bad, misleading uh, teaching out there that can really lead us astray. And so I just pray that you would help us to really be careful and to be mindful of who and what we're listening to. And may we only uh, listen to those people who are leading us um, in step with the gospel. Lord, I pray today if there's one listening to this podcast that does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that they would call upon him today, that they would believe in his, uh, his life, his, his death, and his resurrection, and uh, that he would be Savior of their lives, that they would put their faith in him, that they would repent. And uh, we thank you for this. Make the gospel real to them today. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And it is in that precious name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you have questions about our church, you can email us at info at myrealchurch.org. Real Life Community Church is located at 335 Glendon Avenue in Richmond, Kentucky. We invite you to join us for worship Sunday at 1045 a.m. or Wednesday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at myrealchurch.org.